0: morning for those of you who don't know me i'm sheena i'm a reader or licensed lay minister here and isn't it wonderful this sunny morning and to think that our colleagues are actually going to camp in fields that have a chance of drying out don't they deserve it we just pray them good weather all week and it's my privilege to share Psalm 32 with you this morning but shall we pray first Lord God, take this time and these words. Lead us this morning into your forgiving heart, so that we may not only know, but that we might live the blessing of your liberating grace. Amen. I don't know about you, but for me, nothing resonates quite so much as the authentic voice. You know, in our cynical age, we can sniff hypocrisy and cant and lying at a 100 metres, especially when answering the telephone. My default setting is suspicion now. All of those cold calls about having been missold payment protection insurance and being entitled to compensation or being on the wrong energy or telephone tariff, or having won a competition if I just give every personal piece of information to enable my identity to be stolen. We sense the hard sell. We sense the fishing. And don't you lament the days when answering the telephone was a joy because you thought a friend would be at the end of it. (laughs) And you see, Psalm 32 is precious, because there's a real, authentic voice speaking to us. And it's the voice of David sharing his experience about God who forgives. And you know, David is pretty well qualified to comment. In May and June, those of the valiant band who've been reading the Bible in a year, and I have to confess, I'm five weeks behind... (laughs) Oh, I don't know how you're all doing it. But, you know, if we read, read through 1 and 2 Samuel, through the life of David, how visual it was. You know, we, have, we go from David the shepherd boy and the youngest son to David anointed by Samuel, David and Goliath, David succeeding Saul, David and Jonathan the friends, the ark coming back to Jerusalem and the dancing in the streets, David and Bathsheba. Uriah, David and Nathan, David and Absalom, David and Solomon, what a life. But you know, as well as being a great king and a great leader, David was also a great sinner. He coveted his neighbor's wife, you know, 10th commandment and there was David. And I couldn't resist showing you this because it's probably the only funny bit of the sermon It's a roasted cartoon. So David coveted his neighbor's wife, but he didn't covet his neighbor's Wi-Fi or use it. I thought it was so lovely, I just had to squeeze it in. But you know, David broke three commandments. He coveted Bathsheba, he committed adultery, and he conspired to murder Uriah. David, who had known intimacy with God, was now separated and adrift because of his sin. It tore him apart. He describes the alienation of that so well in verses 3 to 4. I think I've got too much on this. He describes it so well, I think. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through groaning all day long. For night and day your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped, as in the heat of summer. It rings true, doesn't it? I think most of us at some point know that feeling of being eaten away inside when there's no joy and no colour and the world becomes monochrome and flat and bleak and oppressive. David's energy was sapped away and everything was hard. And if we're familiar with that landscape, then perhaps the wisdom and the healing that this Sam offers can help us too. Because in his abandonment and in the silence, David eventually turns towards god i acknowledged my sin to you that one really hard difficult step i acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity i said i will confess my transgressions to the lord and then he changes tone and you forgave the guilt of my sin. David was a prodigal just like the prodigal son. And in the story, in the parable of the prodigal son that Jesus told us, we know the father was waiting and watching and longing for his homecoming. Longing for that prodigal son to come home. And like the prodigal son, David turned to God and confessed. If you want to read that confession, have a look at Psalm 51 when you go home today. That's the cry of David's heart as he confesses to God, as he cries out in his pain. And the result was that David was forgiven. He was restored. The all-consuming burden of guilt was lifted of him and he rediscovered the real blessing of renewed relationship with God and of living with an undivided heart. A divided heart is so heavy to carry and this psalm begins proclaiming what David has learnt of God's matchless generosity because there is no generosity like this. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. And throughout Psalm 32, David encourages us to stick to the path, because quite simply, it's the key to living to the full. He urges us to choose this way willingly. Have any of you seen War Horse? At the cinema or the theatre? Do you remember that sequence when, when the boy is breaking in the horse and trying to teach the horse? And then actually, when they learn about each other, how they just gallop in complete freedom and trust. You know, sometimes... That's like the goal of our faith journey, to be that in tune, isn't it? To be able to ride and gallop freely, through the waves, of course, in the sunset. <laughs> but sometimes, well, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty unreconstructed about all of this. And living in a forgiven and a forgiving way is a real challenge. It's much harder than we might think. And I go to the Lord's Prayer at this time. And the words that Jesus taught us, we know so well. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. They're really hard words to pray sometimes, aren't they? And they're incredibly hard words to live if we carry unforgiveness in our hearts. But we know that that dynamic of forgiving and being forgiven is really, really sound. You know, much of the work of secular counselling and psychotherapy follows a similar path. If we are to live well and fully and wholly, we need to be able to forgive. We need to forgive ourselves. And we need to be able to forgive other people. And sometimes bits of us trick ourselves and we feel God is to blame sometimes. We even need to learn to deal with that. We also need to learn to accept forgiveness so we can let go and move on. But by nature we can be killing us. There's a lot of baggage around forgiveness. And particularly it's hard when we are sinned against. When we've done something wrong and we know we've done something wrong, it's not quite so hard to walk the road of seeking forgiveness. But sometimes when we've been wronged, it feels different. You know, somewhere in part of our psyche there's a a need to be vindicated or justified and um, there's a bit of a grudge-like tendency and a capacity to fester. But, you know, cutting words and unkindnesses and deliberate meanness are part of everyday life and they're probably the bit that's really hard to bear. You know, how many of us as children... We're told by our parents hoping to stiffen us up and put a bit of um, iron in our spine, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. It's rubbish, isn't it? Complete and utter rubbish. I've tried so hard never to say it to my kids, but I think I've probably failed. You know, most of us in our lives inside have been reduced to heaps at some point by words. But we don't have to stay in pieces. That's the message of this psalm. Our true identity is not in disabling words that people say to us. That is not the basis of our personality. Take the promise of God and his everlasting love. Let those words go. Forgive those people. Take hold of Isaiah This is a passage I find even more comforting now. I wonder if you'll guess why. Isaiah 46, 3-5 I have upheld you since you were conceived and have carried you since your birth. That's God speaking to us. Even to your old age and grey hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. That's what it's all about. That is the love that should be our defining. The thing we carry, not those words that have injured us. It's a real challenge to live the blessing and the blessedness at the beginning of this psalm that David talks about. To let go of Of slights and wounds, not to be a lifelong victim, but to start the path to healing and forgiveness. It may take a while. I don't believe it can be an event for a really deep hurt. It's a process. We have to walk it, it's a journey. But we need to hold on to the essential truth that we have a loving, forgiving God. If we confess our sins, it says in 1 John 1 1 verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And I think we could extrapolate, if we confess the times when we've been sinned against that crush us and offer those to God, he too will uphold those and help us to the path of righteousness. You know, there are so many wonderful examples and testimonies out there to encourage us. You know, at an individual level, I think of some of the testimonies that Ray has brought back from his work in Wormwood Scrubs. When we hear of prisoners whose lives have been turned around, who hear that God can give them what nobody else can. But I also think of the wider arena, because sin isn't just personal. Forgiveness isn't just about me and God. Forgiveness actually works at a national and an international level. And you know, think of the countries that have emerged from civil strife through reconciliation and forgiveness and are refashioning their societies. Think of South Africa and Rwanda, and I have to mention Mozambique and Angola, and Kosovo and Northern Ireland. You know, the scale of these historic problems and divisions and injustice is so huge, but in those places, people have stepped out on the forgiveness route. Often it was just one or two people who began the first steps. Weren't you thrilled this week to see all of those children singing happy birthday to Nelson Mandela, the 94-year-old Mandela? Or a few weeks ago to see Aung San Su Kyi finally receiving her Nobel Peace Prize? You know, Mandela and Su Chi and Gandhi... And Desmond Tutu, Gordon Wilson from Northern Ireland will always stand out in my mind as somebody who embodied forgiveness at the absolute... I don't know how he did it, but he is just the most amazing example. And I'm going to mention Bishop Dinish because he has been instrumental in shaping Mozambique and refashioning that country after civil war. Swords can be turned into plowshares and spears can be turned into pruning hooks if we forgive. Look at the symbolic pieces made from decommissioned weapons at the end of the Mozambican Civil War. That's Bishop Dinish outside Twyford when he came and he shared some of that with the children at the school. And if you look closely at his cross, you'll see that it's made from the things inside a gun that push the spring to fire the bullet. Very technical. Is there a word for it? Hmm? It's a firing pen, isn't it? Brilliant. I knew there'd be somebody who knew here. Thank you. But, you know, that project has actually taken 800,000 weapons out of commission. 800,000. In the beginning, just a few people in a church believed peace was possible. And have a look at the next picture, which is the last one. This is the throne of weapons that you can see in the British Museum, made out of hundreds of pieces of gum. Neil McGregor used it in his History of the World in a 100 Objects. This is a symbol that speaks so powerfully of the road to forgiveness. My friend, Helen, has just come back from a Soma mission trip in the DRC. And it was a Ugandan and a DRC conference. And it began with the Ugandan delegates kneeling to ask the delegates from the Congo to forgive them for everything that Uganda had done in their country. The conference began with the repentance That David talks of in Psalm 32 and it completely changed and liberated everyone and after the prayer ministry that followed that symbolically the Congolese and the Ugandans cleaned the church a church that had had atrocities committed in it and together they scrubbed it. I want us today to be encouraged by these individuals and these countries who've worked from entrenched enmity out of which there seemed to be no hope or no forgiveness and yet they are on their ways to more just societies. You know, when we look at Egypt now and Libya and Syria, can we pray for that now for them? That there are people already who are going to be those peacemakers, who are going to inspire people that the way ahead has to be to forgive. And, you know, I acknowledge there are real, real difficulties because it's a complex path, isn't it, between forgiveness and justice. You know, today, just after those shootings in Colorado, the anniversary of the shootings in Norway and the end of the trial of Anders Breivik and the end of the Tomlinson trial here, they all bring questions about justice and forgiveness. And I think it's complex. I can't answer it easily. And we don't have time to do that today. But mindful of this psalm and mindful of Jesus' last words on the cross... Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. If He could do it, could we imitate Him even by 1%? 10? (laughs) I also have the words of that old confession running through my mind. We have sinned against you in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and confess our sins. And even an earlier one, we have done those things we ought not to have done. And we've left undone those things we ought to have done. There is no health in us. And the sort of language of old liturgy also teaches us something. There's an application for us. And what I want us to take away from today is that guilt and unforgiveness can eat us away. They can darken the landscape and actually mean that we don't live as fully as Jesus wants us to live. Jesus came that we would have life and life in all its fullness. I'd love us to take the first steps of entrusting some of the difficult burdens we carry to our loving God who calls the heavy laden to him. To our loving God who waits and watches and longs for the prodigal to turn to him. To our loving God, who shares, carries and lifts the load, so indeed there can be dancing, as David danced when the ark went to Jerusalem. On a day like this, when we have sunshine, after so much unremitting gloom and rain... I think it's a really good day to hear this. And as I end and as we begin to worship, if there are any of you who would like to take a first step, we'd love to invite you to come and be prayed for. Forgiveness isn't an easy route, but it takes one step to start the journey. And you know what? We are a community who have the capacity to walk that journey with each other because we love each other and we have a God who loves us. Amen.